Welcome to Season 2 of Game Design Unboxed on the No Direction Network. Danielle talks to tabletop game designers about the games they've made. Together, they unbox how the game went from inspiration to publication. Thank you for joining me, Danielle, for Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 34, Synchronize. Today, we are joined by Emily LaRoche, a co-designer and artist of Synchronize and the owner of Zura Games. Hey. Hello, how's it going? It's going really good. It's been a while since we've chatted. I'm excited to have you yeah. on the show. Thanks. So for anyone who does not already know you like I do, how did you get into the gaming industry? Um, it was a little bit by accident. I'm Professionally, I'm in the video game industry. And then I was kind of taking a break when I became a parent and still wanted to be creative, but didn't have the know-how or technical savviness to do video games on my own. So um, I just attempted board games because I'm an artist and uh, designing games doesn't involve uh, as much technical stuff, but still the problem solving aspect, which is a big part of uh, why I like it. Uh, Totally makes sense. So did you go to school for art then? Yes, I have a degree in animation. Oh, very cool. I thought about doing that and I went with graphic design. Yeah, that's that's a very hard uh, thing to get into as well. Eh, I mean, it's one of those things that I joke <laughs> that I'm one of the only people that actually uses their majors. I use that in my psychology <laughs> actually every day, weirdly enough. Uh, but it doesn't work out for everybody. Yeah, it's a very competitive field. So that's... Yeah. yeah. Well, I mostly use it for prototyping, which I'm guessing is how you use yours most of the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, for prototyping and also for doing the final stuff. Um, I do so much art. It's great. It's the part of why I love doing this. That is so awesome. All right. So this episode, it's about synchronized your game or your co-design. Would you mind telling everybody about the game, how you play it? Sure. So Synchronized is a team versus team memory game uh, that uses kind of like a matching element. Um, So we came up with it just because it was a random Twitter uh, question thing that was like, what are themes that are underrepresented? And a friend of ours said uh, Synchronized Swimming. So we just, out of silliness, just like, oh, maybe it could work like this. And you're trying to do routine and stuff. And we're like, that sounds like a cool idea. Let's see if we can develop it. And we did. Um, so that's how it came about. But uh, it's really fun. And we, I think the biggest challenge was how to make a memory game that's not going to um, like turn off people too much because of the memory aspect. And we came up with this cool way of using the team as kind of a balance where even if you're really good or really bad at memorizing, you still have an even chance because everybody's in on it. And it's this really cool um, teamwork exercise. Okay. Could you walk us through like how you play exactly then? So, um, Each round, there's four rounds, and each round you lay out a routine of, I think, average like seven poses to start with, and you memorize the sequence of poses as a team, both both teams simultaneously, and the first team that has it memorized grabs a whistle token to end the time, and both teams flip their cards face down, then you have an identical deck, 
dealt out to your team, you look at those cards and you just match them face down with where they're supposed to be in the routine. And then the fun phase is the last phase where you actually get to reveal the sequence to see how you did. And you just score one point per correct pose. And it just gets crazier from there. There's more cards added. So you have a longer sequence to memorize. There's a competition cards, which add a challenge. Like you can only look at X amount of cards or you have to flip the cards upside down. Um, we're really horrible people. And we just make this as hard as possible. Jeez, <laughs> oh, <geez>. Great. <laughs> and so how many people would play on a team then? Like what's the player count for this? It can go up to eight. Um, so it's four people per team. It's a team versus team. If you have more decks, you can play with other teams. So like four teams of four people would be craziness, uh, but it's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and how did you go about like creating the initial prototype and working on it? Were you together? Did you do it like digitally? It was digitally because my co-designer, Anna Maria, lived in DC at the moment. I'm in LA and then she moved to Seattle, which is still just as far. So um, when we started this project before pandemic, we were still doing uh, on our own side. Like we were playtesting on our own uh, with our own group. And then after the pandemic hit, we took a break. We were like, who's going to want a team versus team game when you're all isolated? But uh, And then eventually we're like, all right, well, there's virtual gaming and that's working really well so we're like let's just try it it still worked um so yeah we haven't play tested it in the same room except for once the dice tower 2020 that's when we're like <laughs> together that's in the so same crazy thing. to think about and how did you two meet like how did you decide to do this as a co-design uh we met because i had Anna Maria is from Girls Game Shelf, and they had done reviews for two of my previous games. So we had connected through that, and then we just become friends. And uh, yeah, co-design is just another excuse to hang out with your friends. <laughs> You're not wrong. I've definitely gotten stuck on a design and been like, hey, you want to help co-design this? <laughs> Where it's like, it helps <laughs> get out of a rut, but also it gives me time to hang out with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. So then with like playtesting and developing, like how much did it change through playtesting the design? Quite a lot, um, especially initially, because when we playtested initially, each person had their own deck that they had to organize to match the main routine. And that was way too much. People felt bad, like they were letting their team down because they're like, oh, I'm so bad at this. And they just kept apologizing to everybody. So we had to change that. Um, and then it was a little bit repetitive and linear. So we added uh, challenging cards. Um, but otherwise, like the base and the core of it, where it's like you have a routine, you have to memorize it and match it. That just stayed all throughout. That's so interesting. It part of me when I I remember when your guys' game was on Kickstarter. I remember watching the video and I was just thinking like, man, I just kept trying to guess. I'm like, oh, I think they got that right. I think they didn't get that right. I was like, huh. I wonder if you have, did you ever test like an element of I don't know like 
throw a medal or like some little token next to each one, like as the opposite team guessing, like if they actually did it right or not. We didn't. Uh, we hadn't thought of that. But you're like paying so much attention to yours. Yeah, you don't know until the last phase where you're each performing, but just flipping cards. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, you don't really pay attention to the the other team until the end. Yeah, it makes but sense. you're still, in the first phase when you're memorizing, you're still trying to keep an ear out because you do want to grab the whistle token before the other team. So you're trying to yeah. memorize yours as fast as possible so that you can call time before the other team is ready. <laughs> it's a weird little thing, which is fun because there's no timer. Yeah. You're the timer. I kind of like that. I like those games where it's not necessarily real time, but pure pressure. <laughs> I'm a fan. Yeah, for sure. It's... Yeah, and then we also added some water tokens, which uh, the loser of each round gets tokens to use to be able to cheat in the future. So that way you still get something, and hopefully it helps you out. I love that that's cheating, like water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you couldn't put like a syringe on a token and have it be like steroids. No. <laughs> That's too much, too much. It's too real, too real. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, and then you did the art and you do the art for all your games, right? Yes. Did you like work together to figure out the art direction or did you take like full responsibility for it? How did that work? We were always bouncing ideas off each other. So like I did my first pass, um, with the cards and all that. And then I would send them to Anna Maria and then she would look at it and just give me feedback. Like, um, Oh, this is not very clear to see. Oh, what if we had this instead? Or, uh, she was the one that really pushed for diversity and we had to try to make that work because we didn't want it to be about a skin color. Cause we would, didn't want it to be like, oh, you just memorize the colors and then that's how you're going to get it. So we had to figure out a way to do that. Um, so we were just always brainstorming, even with the art, because she also has an art background. So she was able to give a lot of feedback on that. That's so interesting because I did notice like on the front of the box that you do have the different skin tone colors, but I wouldn't have thought about how you, yeah, you would memorize the color tones, not necessarily like the positioning of their legs and arms. So how did you find that balance? So the way that we did it is in each deck, the poses have different skin tones. So it's all about the poses and not the colors at all. Because in two decks, the same pose is going to have different skin tones. So... So if yeah. you tried to cheat and try to memorize the skin tones, you're just really hurting yourself. You're just screwed. <laughs> oh, no. That's almost like another thing your brain is working against because it's trying to memorize that and not the positioning. And, oh, man, you are cruel. <laughs> I know. I apologize. <laughs> but so there is, funny. You can scale it down. Like, if it's too much, because it can be, you can just start off with less cards. So it's just six cards. So it's easier to digest and to get a hand on. So we do try to make it as accessible as possible. If you don't want to uh, have the extra challenge, you don't have to play with the composition cards. It could be just a straight up, like we just have these poses. We're just memorizing, matching, and that's it. And um, so 
I do like that. And it is something that you get better at because after a while, you know, it's working your brain muscles. You know, you can start small and just do um, smaller routines and then work your way up. But I will have to say, like a lot of people are intimidated by it at first and then they play the first round and they actually impress themselves. Like a lot of people underestimate their own brain. It's really funny. Yeah, I mean, I personally would love that kind of thing because I used to love that game set where you're like matching up the sets and trying to see like what the differences are. And like, I was that weird kid that liked those types of games. So I don't actually think it's that cruel, but I do like that you can scale it for the difficulty you're looking for. Yeah, we want it to be like, if you're not into memory game, it's fine. Just play the smaller game and then and then work your way up and actually feel good about yourself because you are going to do better than you think you are, which happens a lot pretty much all the time people are like oh i'm gonna do horrible and then they f- reveal the cards and it's like you got most of them i think you're doing great <laughs> for sure honestly i mean i think we're our own worst enemy when it comes to all those kinds of things yeah uh, yeah very true <laughs> So then what made you decide? So you, you've self-published games before that. I know you've had games on like the Game Crafter, but this one was on Kickstarter. Like what made you decide to go for Kickstarter versus Game Crafter? Because I think we wanted to reach a bigger audience. Um, there's not a lot of people that know about Game Crafter. I think it's more of a, like a niche thing, mostly designers and people that are really into making their own games. Um, so we wanted a broader audience. Um, And I had done two Kickstarters before that, one that was successful and one that didn't fund. So I was very familiar with the process. Anna Maria as well, because she's managed several Kickstarters. So she actually had the most experience with that. And so we just went for it. We're like, why not? You know, if it does well, it does well. If it doesn't fund, then, you know, we've tried, we've done everything for this game. And uh, because we really felt like it should be given a chance. It should be out there because it was, it's such a unique game. Um, and until recently it was the only synchronized game out there. <laughs> I know. Now there's sink or swim, which I thought yeah. was so funny when I saw that. I was like, wait a second. Interesting. But that's how that works. I mean, like every time there's something missing, five of them appear in one year and everyone's like, wait, did we all really <laughs> have the same thought? Yeah. But we were the original. <laughs> <laughs> I saw yeah. that and uh, there's used as an app and everything but it's great because we've pitched synchronized to a few publishers and i think they're like oh the theme is just weird and unique and i don't know if it would do well but it's like well there's another game and it's doing great as well so you know the the gamer community wants something unique and it's it's good that there's people out there like like us that would just make some crazy game look (laughs) no i love that i love the more unique themed games not that space and fantasy and trains are getting like old but like also there's a lot of all of those and i kind of would prefer to find more like random games about sewing or whatever like i don't know it's kind of cool to see something that you wouldn't normally see yeah like uh you know about yarn that's this is a really cool game about that. Like, who would have thought, you know? <laughs> this is true. Yep. The XYZ Game Labs guys, they did a good job with their game. But yeah, yeah no. exactly. It looks fantastic. 
is awesome. And so then for like this game design, how long did it take you and Anna Maria to come up with like the initial inspiration or like seeing that it was a tweet and then having it out to backers? I think it took us about two years, but a lot of that we were on break because because of the pandemic and everything was so unsure and we didn't know if that was the right time to put out a pretty much a group game, like a party game kind of. So, but otherwise actually working on it, um, there was a lot of progress really quickly. Um, we're kind of workaholics, so <laughs> that kind of helps. <laughs> yeah. I never noticed that about you guys. <laughs> really? What? answering messages at random nights random times uh, i am on pacific coast so that would be late for you that's fair but i'm also that person who's trying to bring their like 1 a.m bedtime down to like 11 p.m so but I'm east coast so yeah no i know i think it's hilarious like i've I'm, I'm working on it i'm trying to become a more normal person and less of a night owl I found that artists, though, are usually more night owls than uh, morning people. So, oh, is that it? All right, cool. I'll, I'll blame yeah. that then. The creative yeah, side of my brain is the reason I can't sleep. Nice. Yeah. And so now that you do have the game out and about, like, how do you think it's being received? I think pretty well. Um, last weekend, I went to Dice Tower West, actually, in Vegas, and I had a table where I was selling. Uh, some copies and there's people stopped by and they're like, what the heck is this? And so, so I did play with a few people and they're like, Oh wow, this is great. This is so much fun. Uh, so I would just do like a round with passersby and everybody was really into it. So I think if people just give it a chance, like they'll really have a good time. I think that's so cool. Well, the other nice thing is when you have a unique theme, it does catch people's attention quicker. Like I know when I walk the halls of Gen Con, which is just like overwhelmingly filled with games, it's the things that stand out are like the really great artwork, the interesting themes or components that you wouldn't normally see. I'm just like, ooh, what's that? Versus like these standard themes that I see all the time. Like even miniatures games, I'm not like, ooh, unless it's like a really interesting look. But even that, I'm just kind of like, I kind of just like, I don't even look that long. I just kind of pass it and move on to the next. I'm like, yeah, it's probably some fantasy thing that I don't care as much about or whatever. Or I can't afford is more like it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I feel the same. Like something that's unique, I'll get close and be like, oh, what is this? I want to know more. That's awesome. And so in the journey, do you like, what was your favorite experience and what was your least favorite experience? Of making this game, um, I think my first experience playtesting it, even though it was still broken and we had to fix a lot of things, like people were really engaged and were really having fun. It was, uh, it was a group of like, I think we had eight or 10 people playtesting it and everybody really got into it. And I think that was one of my favorite experience doing this. Uh, developing this game um, least favorite is all the technical stuff that I'm not really it's not natural for me like uh, setting up the Kickstarter is pain in the butt 
<laughs> and you never know how it, like, does this look good? I don't know. Are people going to like this? Is this going to make sense? That's such an unknown thing, you know? For sure. I feel like those nitty gritty details is not my forte as well. Like I'm someone who I don't want to run a company, but I will get your company from like C level to B level, B level to A. Like I'm that worker person that can get you to the next level, but I don't want to own the boat. I'll help steer the boat, but I don't want to own the boat. Cause like if I crash, <laughs> scary. No, for sure. That's where I was like two years ago. Like, maybe I just want to pitch game and design and pitch and maybe that's what I should try doing. And it was just a very difficult time. And then we decided to, uh, to crowdfund synchronized. And I was like, this is actually fun. I kind of enjoy doing all this. So maybe I'll stick with it a little bit longer, but it is, it is, does feel like a lot of responsibility. And that's why having a co-designer was, it's kind of like a relief because not all the decisions were on me, you know? For sure. And so do you think you're going to have more games coming to Kickstarter than in the future? Like anything we should be looking out for? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Very mysterious. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, get a line of games ready to crowdfund. Um, but I was going to crowdfund one of my other games but then i kind of pitched it like a last last ditch effort to pitch it to publishers and they played it and they really like it so we'll see what happens if not i will definitely crowdfund it myself because it's a really fun game <laughs> so is it one that i've play tested before <laughs> the art is, game? There, is there plant games or art games like art I've art then yes okay play test of this game all right cool well i hope that that ends up being published in one way or another it will i promise you that yeah it okay. will be, it'll be published very cool very cool we need more art games in the world especially good ones because no offense like it's pretty 50 50 on the art games like a lot of them aren't great i think they're very oh gosh how to say this they're good but they're like either really long, which is great if you like that. You know, they're very like gamery games. So what I tried to do with this one, with Artish is the title of it, is to make something that's uh, really accessible, um, short. It's like pretty fast paced. Like the end just sneaks up on you. It's like 30 minutes. But it still has some strategy, but it's really easy because you're just mixing colors and it's it's just a pattern ma pattern matching kind of a recipe game you know like oh i need this and this and this sure. let me make that but uh but it's actually pretty engaging and it has a couple of mechanics that uh give you extra decisions uh which people really love like i played it i think five times last weekend at uh dice tower and everybody had a great time and really enjoyed it so it, it was really encouraging to have like a positive reception. Yeah. I'm so jealous. I really wanted to go to that dice tower. And I was like, oh, all my friends are going. My friend's celebrating his birthday there. And I was like, darn it. Aww. But you can't make it to everything because, you know, money and time and travel. Unfortunately, you can't make it to everything. But it was good. It was a, a little bit weird because we haven't had conventions in a while. We haven't 
had people in a while <laughs> so it's just <laughs> getting used to that like being around other people in social situations being yeah. around crowds it was exhausting like really quickly <laughs> oh well i'm glad that you're recovering back at home then. <laughs> yes me too but uh yeah it was a good time that's awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing uh, more games by you, whether or not it's published games. by you or through someone else. It's always nice to see more female designers out and about in the world. It's really awesome to see what new voices, different voices come up with and just like the fresh, um, fresh ideas that are just so unique from everything else. 100% agree. And so if you could offer one piece of advice to a designer, what would it be? Like what would help them on their journey or talk to yourself in the past, whatever you think. I would say just go for it. Like there's so much hesitating, like, Oh, should I do it like this or like this? Or what if it's not good? Just do it. Like make the prototype, get in front of people, just play test it. And you're going to see where it needs help, where there's fun. Um, but you just got to take that first step and just don't second guess yourself. Just go for it. You know, and it's okay if it doesn't work, it's supposed to not work. Just fix it afterwards, but you got to just get it out there first. <laughs> That's so funny. My advice is typically just do it. And just you know, it. like the Nike commercial, just do it. <laughs> I think it's solid advice because, like, you you're not gonna know what's gonna happen until you freaking do it. So yeah, exactly. There's so many uh, on some of the design groups. There's so many people like, oh, I have this idea, but I don't know if this is gonna work or whatnot. It's just you're not gonna know until you make it a thing and then test it. So maybe it's not gonna work. Maybe it will. You don't know. So just make it and test it, and then you'll figure it out. It's a whole process, right? For sure. Like, so just start the process. <laughs> I completely agree because no offense. If you have an amazing idea, if you don't carry out the idea, it's kind of not worth much. <laughs> like yeah. You might have the best idea in the world, but if you don't do anything with it and you don't find someone to do something with it, it's just an idea. It's it's nothing. It's air. It's words. Exactly. <laughs> And everything works so great in your head. Oh, <laughs> so. yeah, that's true. And then you put it on paper, you test it out. It's, it's not so great. It, there are very few broken. games I've made that was like not, oh, God. If I could actually make a game that wasn't broken to begin with or like janky, that'd be great. And that's why that first playtest with Synchronize was so much fun and so much so encouraging because right from the get-go, the fun was there right? We managed to already capture the fun from the get-go. So so that just gave us drive to keep going with it, even though it was broken. <laughs> that is important. I feel like that's one of those questions in playtesting. Like, did you enjoy yourself? Was it fun? And it's, it's I mean, it's a question that like somebody didn't pre-plan their questions will probably ask, but it, it's important. Like, you don't want to spend an hour or even 30 minutes playing a game that's not fun. Yeah, exactly. There's, uh, there's a couple questions that designers experience designers say to ask it's like did you have fun and would you play it again unfortunately with the synchronized 
asking if you want to play it again is like a bad idea because your brain is so dead afterwards. <laughs> like, oh, no, please. <laughs> please, let's watch some cartoons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So would you start I your do game? I have to share. Huh? Or is like with that, then it's like, do you start your game night with synchronize? Or is that like, yeah, I feel like you don't end your game night with that. Or is it like an in-between games game? I think it's a good way to end your game night with synchronize because everybody's so, you know, like hilarious. And it's like, yeah, it makes it even more fun. <laughs> nice. Um, I was, I was going to say one of my favorite things about that we did for Synchronized, though. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but we actually use the box as the scoreboard. Oh, yeah, which I think it is did really actually. Neat. No, I love dual purpose. So, so to keep score, instead of having score pads or whatever, what we did is uh, you take the bottom of the box and you prop it up into the lid and there's the scoreboard on the bottom that will just peek out and it'll look like a pool and there's a marker and you just uh, put in your points there. So it looks like an actual scoreboard. And I think that's one of my uh, favorite things about the game. It's a cool way to use the box and it looks really cool on the table. I feel like table presence is so important, but yeah, no, like dual purpose materials. That's really awesome. Yeah. Well, sweet. And then for our parting question, if you could be the designer of any game that's like currently out on the market that you didn't design, what game would you choose and why? I would say Startups by Oink Games um, because it's one of my favorite games. It's pretty much a card game. It's like a stock card game, but it's so elegant and simple uh, graphic design is really neat. It doesn't need that much. It just needs like numbers. And even that is not used that much, but um, it has very limited decisions, which look very simple when you're explaining the rules. It's like, take a card, put a card down, that's your turn. But when you actually play it and you get faced with that decision, it's like, what card, what card am I going to take? What card am I going to put down? It's just, you're like, blows your mind like, oh my gosh this is such a hard decision and i love that game so much it's one of my favorite games to introduce to people so i would have loved to have my name on that box and yeah that's so this is the first game someone has mentioned that i didn't know that i haven't played and really? so i'm excited because that means there's a game i actually need to play i mean not to say the other ones the other ones are just like more obvious or whatever but this is the first one i actually i don't know yeah it's a really cool game it's oink game so it's in a little tiny box packed to the brim oh yeah but <laughs> it's just there's i think uh six different companies that have a different number of cards. So the first one will have five cards, the other one six, seven, eight, all the way to 10. And you're trying to have the majority of each of those to earn points from the other players that have shares in that, that have cards in that same thing. So it's this kind of like bluffing kind of game. It's really, you're trying to like manipulate other people by only revealing certain things. It's awesome. It's fun. Okay, I'll definitely add it to the list of games I need to check out. Also, like, Oink games are just really cool in general, and I love their graphic design and their packaging. Like, it's a cool design space that they work in. I'm a fan. Totally. It's so simple, and, like, yeah, their graphic design is just 
spectacular. 100%. Well, hey, thank you for joining us on this episode of Game Design Unbox, Inspiration to Publication, episode 34, Synchronize. And thanks again, Emily. So anyone looking to find you, where can they find you on social media? I'm on Facebook and Twitter at Zerua Games. That's Z-E-R-U-A. It's kind of a non-name, but it means sky in Basque, which is where I'm from. So yeah, trying to get a little bit of home. (laughs) I love that. I love hearing how companies got their names. How long have you had your company, by the way? I think about three, a little bit over three years. So this is going on year four. Oh, congratulations. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And then I'm your host, Danielle Reynolds. If you're trying to find me on social media, you can check out my Instagram or my Twitter uh, under the username Token Gamer, and that's G-A-Y-M-E-R. But this was awesome catching up, and I'm excited to see your future games, especially ones that I've playtested. And if you need a (laughs) playtester, I'm here. Awesome. This has been another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. Join us next time.